Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Hope you're doing well. Everybody doing good? Yeah. All right. Good, good. Well, if you have your Bibles, if you would take them and turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. I'm going to get there in just a minute. Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. We've been walking through this passage for the past uh, three or four weeks, and we're concluding this series. And so uh, today we're, we're going to kind of end uh, here. Uh, and um, I want to start with making a statement, though, uh, as we talk about receiving this weekend. We're going to talk about, you know, we've been talking about asking for prayer. We've been talking about believing God to do great things, circling that in prayer. This weekend, we're going to talk about praying and receiving what God has for us and, and basically answered prayer. And I want to start with this statement. I believe that God hears and responds to prayer, period. I believe that God hears and responds to prayer, period. Every time, without question, without a doubt. And I'm going to show you why here in the next few minutes. Now, I do know that there are people that say, well, man, I, I don't know if I agree with that. You know, I had an aunt uh, who uh, was uh, diagnosed with cancer, and I prayed for her healing, and she died. Uh, I have a friend or a family member that I prayed for their salvation, and there seems to be no change. Uh, and that's been years. I... I, I uh, I've been looking for a job in the downturn of the economy, and I've been out of work and needing income and employment and finances, and it just seems like there's no job. There's no money. There's no anything. And uh, let, let's talk about that. I, I, I have a big, big, big belief that God is never off-put by our questions. Uh, he, he doesn't catch them off guard or wig them out. But uh, I think it's important that we ask, and I think it's important that we go back to what does his word say. So that's exactly what I want to do. I don't want to, I, I want to validate your feelings and, and your emotions and your experience, but I want to go back to say, what does God's word say about these situations? So Luke chapter 11, verse number nine, Jesus says this, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. It's a declarative statement. Secondly, the one who seeks finds. Second declarative statement. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Declarative statement. He just says, look, if you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you'll find. If you'll knock, the door will be open. And some of you are thinking, yeah, I wish it worked that easy. Maybe something's wrong with me. Just hold up. We're going to get there in just a minute. I want to read this to you in the message transliteration. And I want you to listen to what it says. Here's what I'm saying. Ask and you'll get. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Verse 10. Don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. This is not a cat and mouse hide and seek game that we're in. So how do you receive God to answer you in prayer? Well, according to scripture, according to this passage, we've been walking through this. The first thing you have to do is ask. You got to ask. We've been spending some time with this. And week two, we spent a lot of time with the whole asking. And I'd refer you back to that series. It's online if you want to go to lifechurchwi.com and you can check it out. But basically asking is a request. And asking is all about an attitude. It's about asking boldly. It's about asking unashamedly. It's about asking 
and expecting God to do something. Sometimes things don't happen because we don't expect God to show up. We just kind of throw it out there like it's just a, a Hail Mary and let's just see what happens with this. But we have to believe that God will listen and that he will respond when we ask. All three of these, ask, seek, and knock, are all present tense. They're a progressive form of, of each one becomes more and more and more intense than the other. But we begin with ask. And that's just the first step. And sometimes people just stop there and go, well, I asked God, he didn't do it. Well, there's more to it. Jesus said, ask. The next step, he says, is to seek. Seek. This is all about searching. Seeking is all about searching. It, you, it's like looking for lost keys or, or looking for your lost eyeglasses. You, you begin to look, right? And then you kind of start talking to yourself, don't you? I know I'll leave these things somewhere. Where are I put these things? That kind of a deal. And then if you don't find it, then you begin to employ the help of other people. You're at the office. You begin to talk to other people. Hey, can you help me? Have you seen whatever? If you're at your house, hey, honey, have you seen your kids? Kids, what did you do with, right? That's kind of what happens. And so it goes. And then, then the world kind of stops, right? And you expect everyone. Everybody, then you get a little emotionally engaged in the whole process, and sometimes you say things you regret. I know some of you may be before church today that happened, but you know you, you do this and you do this, and you kind of turn the house upside down, the office upside down, you turn your car upside down until you find it. That's the process of seeking. That's what Jesus said we should do when we're praying unto God. The same way you would be looking for your glasses or looking for your keys is the same way we should approach him when we're looking for an answer to the questions that we have. Because James is very clear. Sometimes we have not because we ask not. Sometimes we don't get a response from God because we don't seek or search it out. What does that mean by searching? Well, here's the thing. When I begin to search, what happens is, is I begin to search for his answer to my request. Well, you may say, well, man, that... I thought this was my question. This is my request. It, it is. But what happens in the process of searching is that as you begin to search, as you begin to look, as you begin to seek, what happens is God begins to sometimes change your heart. Because sometimes the things that you think that you need are not actually what you need. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes the think, things that you think that God should answer you, the way in which he should answer you, maybe not exactly be what you need. And you look back over that with time and you go, hey, I'm really glad God never answered that prayer that I prayed for that. I'm really glad that God gave me this when I thought I needed that. And I'm glad he didn't give me that when I really needed this. And that, and that his ways are higher than my ways and his ways are. And so sometimes during that seeking time, we begin to discover that sometimes what we're looking for, sometimes what we think we need is not exactly what that is. And we kind of come to the end of our own will, our end of our own self. And it not becomes about our desires, but about his desires. Now, let me explain this a little bit. The reason why this is important is because you and I are limited. We're finite. The Bible says we have a beginning and the end. But God is infinite, which means he has no beginning, he has no end. You and I are emotionally uh, fickle, uh, unstable. I don't care how stable you are. People, we just are. But, but, but God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. You and I have ups and downs and ins and outs, but the Bible says that God remains constant. Malachi says he changes not. And, and you and I, we, we just have certain things that hold us back. And God has no inhibitions that hold him back. He has no insecurities. He has no deficits. He is 100% pure in every way. And we, we're just not. We all are flawed. Everybody in this room is just jacked up. That's just what we need to come to the end of ourselves. We are all messed up. It doesn't mean that it's an excuse for sin. It just means that that's, we're flawed humanity. 
So what happens is when I begin to approach God and I begin to seek him for an answer or for a request, sometimes what I think is the right way is not always the right way. And sometimes what I begin to start looking for is really not what I need. And during that process of seeking, God begins to redirect me. And it goes back to the basic questions. Do I trust him? Do I trust God? I mean, do I really believe that he is who the Bible says he is? And do I really trust him? Do I really believe that God's good? And do I really believe he's got my best interest? Do I really believe what Paul says in the book of Romans, that all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose in Christ Jesus? Do I really believe the Bible? And you kind of go, well, of course, Aaron, I believe the Bible. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about you believe it on the weekends when you're in church. I'm talking about do you believe it on Monday morning and Tuesday afternoon and Thursday night and Saturday morning? Do you believe it? Does God work 24-7 in your life or does he just do the weekend shift? See, that's what happens. And so what happens is, is if I believe that he's a good God, if I believe that all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose in Christ Jesus, if I believe that he has my, my best interest, and if I believe that I have limitations and I have blind spots, then what happens in that seeking process is sometimes my heart begins to be changed. The things I ask for begin to be changed. What becomes important becomes, and it's not that God doesn't answer. Sometimes the answer that comes to me is through that process. Sometimes I began to discover things I need more than what I thought I needed, or it's different. So where do you search? Well, you first you begin with God's word. God's word uh, is <clears throat> basically it's His word to you. It's His word to me, and it's it's instruction for everyday living. <clears throat> Secondly, the voice of the Holy Spirit. The voice of the Holy Spirit, understanding that voice, knowing that voice, and, give, and, and, and listening to that voice. And in, in the month of March, I'm going to do a midweek kind of a special deal where I'm just going to spend about three weeks. And I'm going to talk about this power of the Holy Spirit in your life and how that works and, and, and what God can do in your life and, and, and how that operates in your everyday life. Because I think it's powerful for us to have that. Uh, the, the, the next thing I would say is... is, is Godly advice and counsel of mature Christ followers. I'm not talking about like, you know, someone that's young in their faith or, you know, you're single and you're like, but he was just so good looking, Pastor Aaron, and he just said all the right things. He just felt like he had this real experience with Jesus. No, 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 no. I'm talking about going to someone who's got some gray hair, who's been living life for some time. They've walked through some valleys. They've had, they, you know, there, there's, some, there's, some, there's some winds, right? There's some skins on the wall and they're able to say, I, I know what God can do. And so sometimes it's going to find that, that, godly, that godly counsel. I mean, you know, if, if you're a young man and, and, and you're struggling, you're young in marriage and, and you're struggling in marriage, go to a, a guy here at Life Church who's been married for 25 plus years and, and sit down and buy him a cup of coffee and say, hey, can, can you help me understand some things here? I, I'm figuring it out, you know, how, you, you've been married for 25 years. And if he just says, hey, son, I've been, I've been fighting hell and hanging on, then find somebody else. But, you know, at least start, Right. And find that counsel because the Bible says that there's counsel, that, that, that there's wisdom in the counsel of many. But go to someone, your young couple, go to a couple that's been married for 25 plus years and say, you look like, at least you look like you're happy. Are you happy? Could, could you help us? Uh, you know, sometimes I see young moms go to other young moms and I just think, man, they, they don't know any more than what you know. These kids don't come into this world with an instruction manual. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, so go to a, a grandmother, go to someone who's raised their kids and how do I there's wisdom that comes from that. And so as you begin to seek God's will, you begin to look for those things. You begin to go to his word. You begin to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You follow that advice. And as you're seeking, God will begin to change your desires to fit his will, which is for your ultimate good. 
The next thing he says for us to do is to knock. To knock. The doors of opportunity. To knock. Being a Christ follower is not a passive least resistance. Doors of opportunity are not automatic. Usually they swing on the hinges of opposition. This is a process, not an event. And the reality is God can't put things into your hands until he prepares your heart. But it begins to become this process that I ask God. And then I begin to seek it out like I'm looking for my keys. I begin to search, look. And then I begin to knock on doors. I begin to try to move ahead. And, and, and I tell people this all the time. I mean, right now we're in a season where we're hiring some, some staff members. And, and when you're hiring staff, you don't really know what you have till you have it. I mean, it just is what it is. You can do, we test and we interview and we Skype interview and we, we do all these assessments. But at the end of the day, it's this process. And I tell, I tell candidates that we're, that we're looking at, look... You're seeking God's will for your life. We're seeking God's will for the church. And if at any point in time in this process, you just don't feel like this is what you're supposed to do, no harm, no foul. Just, you're done. And if at any point in time in the process, we don't feel like that, that you're the person, then we'll say the same thing. And it's not offensive. It's just we're both seeking. So let's just walk through these progressive doors. And if they continue to open, then great. But if, if they're not, not there, then that's it. And, and, and that's what I tell people. It's this process of walking through. It's this process of, of looking. It's this process of searching. It's like when I came here, when Tammy and I came here over 10 years ago, it was about a 12-month process for us. So we were on staff at a church. Uh, we were basically debt-free. Uh, we wanted to go plant a church. And I went to the pastor I was working for for about three different times and said, please, I just let me resign. I, 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 feel, I just feel like I'm, I'm hamstrung here. I just feel like, uh, I feel like that I'm supposed to go someplace else, and, but, but God hasn't opened that door, and I'm restless. And he knew what I was going through, and he said, no, 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 just, I just want to walk you through this. You've got to work somewhere. You've got to eat somewhere. Just let me help you. And he was very kind and very gracious. And I can tell you in that process, as we began to look... And we were like, God will go. We know what you want to do. We just don't know where. And so then the door opened up in Charlotte. Then it closed. The door opened up in Peninsula, Florida. And it closed. I still don't know why that door closed. Now, a door opened up in, in Southern California. And then one in Las Vegas. Could you imagine me in Vegas? I, th- these doors just opened and they closed. And finally it came to the point where the only door that was open was Milwaukee. And Tammy said, I'm not moving to Milwaukee. Ten years ago. Now we're here we are. Um, and, and the reality is, is that that's where God wanted us. But it was a very frustrating process to get to that place. And then when that door opened, and we felt like it was the Lord, then all of a sudden, three doors opened at the same time. I mean, everything shut, and everything opened up again. And they were like great opportunities. And it was like God was just testing. Are you listening? Are you really wanting my will? Are you really seeking? Are you really knocking? And 10 years later, I just look at it and go, wow, how amazing. But I can tell you, 11 years ago, I was one frustrated individual. And that's sometimes the process that God works us through. Because here's the reality. As I look back over that process of those 12 months, there were major events that were happening here that coincided with major events that were happening in my life. I didn't even know it. I didn't even understand it. And God brought all of those things together and fulfilled so many blessings in my life. But I had to be willing to walk through that process of asking God, of seeking God, and of knocking until the door came open. And even when the right door came open, it was still like, okay, I'm just kind of walking here going, God, I hope you, that you meet me, that this is where it is that I've heard from you. And in time, God's proven that out that that's what it is. Some, that's the way God works. Now, let's look on back to Luke chapter 11. Uh, look at it, verse 11, 12, and 13. He, Jesus ends up this chapter and he says it this way. Which of you, your fathers, 
If your son asks for a fish, you'll give him a snake instead. Or he asks for an egg, you'll give him a scorpion. Then you, who are evil, which means you're, you're, you're fleshly, you're, you're corrupt, you're, you're flawed humanity, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So here's what it says here, according to this passage, that the answer will always come according to God's will. That God will always answer you according to his will. We talked about this last weekend, about praying the promises. And if you, if you bought one of those uh, promises, God's promises for your everyday need, they're at guest services. If you didn't get one, you go by and pick one up. But going back to what does his word say, he'll always perform his word. And according to this passage, there's two things that he'll do. He'll always meet the physical and the spiritual needs of your life. The physical needs... He says of an, of an earthly father that would, uh, if the son asked for, for, for a bread, would give, him, you know, would give him a steak or a scorpion. How much more will God not do that? And will also meet the spiritual needs where he says that God will give, the, give the spirit, his spirit to you. That he will meet physical and spiritual needs. So if you're having physical needs in your life, God will meet those needs. If there's spiritual needs, he'll meet those needs. And that doesn't mean, hey, I want a new Maserati, that I'm going to get one. It, it simply means this. But if there are needs in your life, uh, employment, uh, your, your family, your home, your, 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 your resources, your income, your finances, and those, God will meet those physical needs, physical healing that you have in your life. But there's also spiritual needs that we have, that we deal with loneliness and depression. We deal with, with, with issues that are going on inside of us and internal struggles and peace and, and, and just, and sometimes sin. And we're wrestling with these very deep spiritual issues which can manifest themselves in very physical ways. God will also meet those needs. And so you can always go back to, and what's great about that is you can go back to, God, this is what your word says. So great, Aaron, that's what it says. But what happens when there's no answers? What happens when I'm asking, when I'm seeking, and when I'm knocking? even for spiritual or physical needs, and there's no answers. Well, there's a couple things I'd say. First of all, check your attitude towards God. Ask yourself, do you really believe in God? Do you really have faith that he'll do what he says he's going to do? Do you really have faith in his word, in the Bible that you hold in your hand? Do you really believe that's God-inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God, that that's really it? Do you believe that he can and that he will? See, because the Bible says without faith, it's impossible. I mean, that's this whole thing hinges on faith. You, you, you look at Hebrews chapter 11, that you know, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It is speaking things that are not as though they are. And we're called to be people of faith, which is totally opposite against our flesh. It's totally opposite against how we're wired. We want to see it, then we'll believe it. But faith says, no, you must believe it, then you're able to see it. Well, the world says that's crazy. God's word says, no, that's faith. Second, check your attitude towards yourself. What's the attitude towards myself? Now, first of all, some of you, you deal with this complex of I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of God's grace. I'm not worthy of his goodness. I'm not worthy of these things. And the reality is, is that you have to you have to read his word and believe that when he says that he loves you, that he loves you. When he cares for you, he cares for you. When you're important to him, you're important to him. And I could give you all the scriptures that would tell you that, but do you believe that? The second thing, though, is when you talk about your attitude towards yourself is, is there any hidden sin in your life? Is there anything that you're allowing sin to take up residency in your heart? Because David said in Psalm 66, verse 18, if I regard sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Here's what I mean. 
I'm not saying if you're imperfect. I'm not saying if you make mistakes. I'm not saying that you struggled. But I'm talking about you have said, look, you know what? There's some issues in my life. I'm not, I refuse to deal with them. There's some things I'm going to do. I don't care who says they're wrong. I'm just going to do this and just hope that God takes care of it. And then you're over here and you're asking God to help you. And God's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Until you come to the end of your big bad self and deal with this sin in your life, I'm going to be over here at Starbucks grabbing a grande skinny cinnamon dolce latte at 190 degrees. And when you come to the end of yourself, you call me and I'll answer you. But I'm not going to have fellowship with the darkness in your heart. I'm not going to coexist because if Jesus comes and lives in your heart and your life, you know, commandment number one, I'm the Lord your God. I'll have no other gods before me. I'm a jealous God, says the Lord. You choose, bro. Whatever you want to do. And sometimes we think we can have these little pet sins. We can, we can have a, a condo in Vegas, so to speak, in Sin City, and it's okay. I'm not saying it's bad to have a condo in Vegas. I don't have one. But I, you understand what I'm saying? I'm just I'm saying figuratively, not literally. So we're going to talk a lot about that because I think it's a big issue that we deal with. Matter of fact, we're starting a series next week called The Naked Truth. We're going to go through the entire month of February, and we're going to talk about hidden sin, how it happens, why we live with it, how we destroy it, because if we don't destroy it, it will destroy us. And according to the statistics, that we inside the church are no different than the world outside in which we live. And if that's true, that's scary. So I know some of you think, well, man, I thought about God's grace. His grace is great. But his word is still true. God is still just. He's still looking for a people that are pure and holy before him. And so if you're allowing sin just to reside in your life, thinking I'm just going to let it have a place over here and then I'm going to go over here. No, 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 no. You're, you're just praying to hear yourself pray. And the third thing I would say is check your attitude towards others. Do you have unforgiveness towards others? Well, how, why does that matter? Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15 says, If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their trespasses, neither will the Father forgive you your trespasses. So the reality is, is you got to make sure there's no unforgiveness. So how do I view God? How do I view me? And how do I view other people? Well, man, Aaron, I've done all that. So what do I do now? What happens when prayer seems to go unanswered? I just want to spend a few minutes. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you some, I'm going to give you some, basically five statements. And I'm going to give you some scriptures. The scriptures aren't going to be on the screen, but I'm going to give you those references. You can write those down and go back and look at those. But I just want you to kind of let that marinate, that statement. Because here's some things I think that may help us. Let me give you this verse. Job 30 verse 20 says it like this, I call to you, O God, but you never answer. And when I pray, you pay no attention. Sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? Sometimes it feels like that. So what do you do when it feels like that? A couple of reminders. Number one, God does not have blind spots. God sees everything. He doesn't miss anything. God doesn't have blind spots. Hebrews 4.13 for he knows everything, he knows about everyone, everywhere. Everything about us is bare and wide open to the all-seeing eyes of our living God. Nothing can be hidden from him. Proverbs 2.8, for he guards the course of the just and he protects the way of the faithful ones. God doesn't have any blind spots. Second thing, God does have a better idea. I know we sometimes we don't think so, but God has a better plan, a better idea. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. This plan of mine 
is not what you would think would work out. Neither are my thoughts, God says, the same as yours. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39 and 40. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, for God had planned something better. I'm telling you, I don't know what you're going through, what you're facing, but his word says he has a better plan and a better idea than what you're even asking for. Third reminder, God always has an unseen purpose. You may understand part of the purpose, but he sees it all. Isaiah 46, 10 says, My purpose will stand and I will do all that I please, says the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, 17, and 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, for in our light and momentary troubles, we are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, for what is seen is temporary. But we fix our eyes on what is unseen, for what is unseen is eternal. And that's perspective, isn't it? So many times we think that all the tangible things that we deal with and we live with in life is the real reality when the true reality is what we don't even see. The supernatural activity, the hand and the moving of God, the protection, his guidance. God always has a greater purpose. He always has an unseen purpose. The fourth thing I'd remind you with is that everything God does is motivated by love. Everything he does is motivated by love. Psalm 25, verse 10, all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful. Romans 8, 28, I love this verse. And for we know that in all things, that means every situation, all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Not those who are perfect. If it said those who are perfect, I'd be counted out. I don't know about you, but I'd be counted out. But I do love the Lord. Do you love the Lord? I mean, that's, then that's who he's talking about. That God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God is always motivated by love. And the last thing is, is that God always gives grace. God always gives grace. Paul talks here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 9. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations. I mean, Paul was used by God to write more of the New Testament than any other individual. There was given me a thorn in my flesh. We don't know what it is. A messenger of Satan, he says, to torment me. And three times I asked the Lord to take it away from me. Three times I asked, I sought, and I knocked. Got it? But he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And God did not take it away. Psalm 910 said, those who know your name will trust in you For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. I come back to the very beginning statement that I made at the beginning of the message. I believe that God hears and responds to prayer. Period. I believe that when we pray, God hears every time. I believe when we pray, God responds every time. I think there are times that we feel like Job when we're calling out to God and there's no response. I feel like there are times we feel like we're alone. I feel like there's times when we feel like our prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. I feel like there are times we feel like we're just kind of running on a treadmill and we're not getting ahead. 
But the word of God says that every time we do call on the Lord, he hears us. And every indication says that when we ask, when we seek, when we knock, when we progressively are pursuing him with this bold audacity that he will respond. Not always like we like, not always when we like. His ways are higher than our ways, Isaiah says. But he will respond every time. But what about the ant that died, Aaron, of cancer after she was prayed for? Well, I could give you a long, long, long theological answer, but it really doesn't matter. Well, what, 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 what about the friend or the family member that's been prayed for for salvation and they haven't, come faith, they haven't come to faith in Christ? It just seems like they're just getting worse. Again, I could give you a theological answer, but it probably would just, you'd walk out the same way. What about the job that I need, Aaron? I mean, you said earlier, God will supply my physical needs, but there's been no work. Again, I could probably walk you through a, theory, a series of theological responses to that and show you how God's provided in the meantime, maybe what he's doing. But that still doesn't give you a job on Monday morning. So what about all these things? Let me respond with two things. Because I believe in really being authentic and really being real. First of all, I don't have all the answers. I think the greatest theological response to some questions is we don't know. Can I just tell you, Aaron Cole, as a person, I have questions. And the longer that I live, the more questions I have. I don't understand some things. But the second thing I want to tell you, I have a choice, and so do you. And I can either choose to trust me and my experience or trust God and his word. And the difference between the two is faith. See, me and my experience, I can say, well, you know what? I've never seen it this way, so it never can happen that way. And I, 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 I've never been around this, and so that can't happen. And so what I can do, and this is what a lot of people do, they limit their life based upon what they see, what they read, and what they can mentally comprehend. And you can live life that way and go, well, you know what? We prayed for this person, they didn't get healed. And we, and we asked God to do this, and it didn't show up. And we did this, and it didn't work out quite like that way. So God must not work that way. Well, you could deductively reason it that way. The only problem with that is, is that you, same way with me, we're limited. We're finite. We have a beginning and an end. We're not all-knowing like God is. We're not all-present like God is. We haven't been here from the beginning of time to the end of time, and we don't know how this really plays out. All I know is my 41 years on this planet, this is how it's worked. That's why people become atheistic and agnostic at some point, because they just kind of go, well, I just, this is it, because life becomes so limited. But it's no different, it's no different than me as a Southerner coming up to Wisconsin and going, there's no way that ice can be thick enough that you can drive a four-wheel drive truck on it until I see it. Because that's how people die. That's how rednecks die in the South. You know that, don't you? Hey, watch this. There's another F-150, right? But you go, no, I've seen that, man. No big deal. And what happens is, is you only believe what you see. Or I trust in the Lord with all of my heart and I lean not to his own understanding. I acknowledge him in all my ways. Because there's a way that seems right to me, but the end thereof is death. And what I've done is I've checked my experiences and I've elevated God's word above that. And if my experiences in their limited 41 years on this planet don't always measure up with what this always seems to be in my limited perspective, I just trust that his ways are higher than my ways. There's things that he has that I don't understand. 
And, and, and if I don't, can't reconcile everything and I have questions, I'm okay with that. God's okay with that. I'm just honest enough to say, I don't know. Yeah, I did the funeral for my 31-year-old cousin who died with three kids. She died of cancer. Sit there at my parents' house and talk to her about the funeral that she knew that was impending. I don't know why. God, why did you take her? The sweetest, kindest, I don't know. She has three kids. All in grade school. Why? I don't know. But I can either elevate my experience, go, well, God, you're dead, and you're insensitive, and you don't care about people. Off that one experience, or I can just go, no, his word says he's never seen the righteous forsaken or seed begging bread. I don't know how it all works. I just trust. And that's a question that you have to answer for yourself. And the key to that is faith. That sounds like the Sunday morning Christian answer. I'm, this is, I didn't write the book. It's what the Bible says. I can tell you God's okay with your questions. I can tell you God's okay with your misunderstanding of some things. But at some point, you're not going to be able to close the loop. And it's not always going to make sense. And you're either going to have to elevate God's word or elevate your experience. And I know me and how jacked up I am. And I just choose to trust him. Because I've found strength and peace even when I don't understand things when I begin to trust him. It's the old psalmist says, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus says the Lord. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you today for the presence of the Holy Spirit. I thank you today, Lord, for what you're doing in hearts and lives in this room, even right now. And God, you know we're human and we struggle. And God, you know we have answers. I mean, we have questions and Sometimes you don't give us answers. Sometimes you just simply reply as you did to Paul. Your grace is efficient. That your strength is made perfect in our weakness. I just pray, Jesus, that you, Lord, would perform your word in our lives. I remind you, God, as we're circling things in prayer, that as we ask, as we seek, as we knock, that we will find the answer. The doors will be open. God, and we will receive. And I pray, God, in the process of that, let us be open to the journey that you take us on. And let us be willing to give up our, ourselves to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.